All right, let us pray. O God and Father, without beginning, thou who art blessed throughout all ages, who has revealed unto us the mystery of the way of thy salvation, renew our nature by thy word abiding in us, and make us the temple of thy Holy Spirit, that being ever guarded by thy might, we may give glory to thee in a worthy manner. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who with thee in the unity of the Holy Ghost liveth and reigneth ever one God, world without end. Amen. I want to talk today about the charismata. I, I could say the charismatic gifts, but that's sort of a redundancy, as you'll see. But of repentance, despair, and humility, as Father Zacharias uh, tells them. And I'm going to start with a quote from Father Zacharias on St. Silouan. I want you to hear this. He says, Father Zacharias says, St. Silouan's whole being, soul, mind, and body became a scented vessel full of the grace of the Holy Spirit. His heart was like a beautiful garden full of flowers in the depths of which the Lord was well pleased to have a luminous and beloved dwelling. Uh, imagine being having that said of you. Never <laughs> uh, get that way with me. They'll say, that scoundrel, what's he doing around here? Uh, so, anyway, this is to have something like this really provides us an image of, this, of the goal of Christian spirituality. And that is, we become temples of the Holy Spirit. You know that, but think of you going back to the ancient imagery, the Garden of Eden, the temple, and God's presence are all the same thing. They all speak of one and the same thing. They're, they're types of each other. So when we speak of one, we're really referring to others. So, so if you go look at the Psalms and they talk about Zion, they're talking about the temple, Zion, the temple, but it's a reflection of paradise. It's a reflection of the relationship with God. It's a reflection of our own hearts. They're all the same idea. So, so we want our hearts to be gardens of Eden, the beginning. And the way to God has three major emphases that Father Zacharias keeps pointing out. He doesn't say three ways, but it really boils down to it. And that is repentance, despair, and humility. I'm going to describe them in a few minutes. And repentance, I want you to think, what were the first words of Jesus? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance is the first one. That's where it begins. And despair, you know, at the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus said, Lo, I'm with you uh, even unto the end of the age. I ain't going nowhere. So, and lastly, humility. Philippians, have this mind in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus, who emptied himself. His humility is his kenosis, and humility is sometimes known as kenosis in orthodoxy. There are three aspects of discipleship which we must learn if we want to take this seriously and go seriously on this journey. Now, Father Zacharias describes him as gifts, and so he uses the word charismatic. Now, in the 70s, in the United States, and lasting into the 80s, I guess, there was a, a revival movement which happened in American Christianity called the Charismatic Renewal. Some of you may be aware of it. I think I've mentioned it in the past, uh, and some of you may have even been involved in it once upon a time. Uh, and it referred to the word charismatic in Greek means, or charismata refers to gift, a gift. And so the charismatic renewal was a, was a revival movement that went on in American Christianity that, that put emphasis on the so-called gifts of the Holy Spirit with main emphasis upon tongues, speaking in tongues, prophecy, and healing. 
Now, it, you know, if you read that in St. Paul, he says to some, so they're gifts, but they're not for everybody. Um, in any case, uh, there are gifts, but they're far less than the gifts, the charismata of repentance, despair, and humility, which are for everybody. So, as gifts of God, those three things uh, need to be viewed by us as, th as, as these. One, imparted by God. They originate in Him. They are something He gives to us. Necessary to our progression. So we have to learn these things. They require our cooperation. So it's not like, you know, it would be easy if we could just say, God, I'm yours, take me, and it all happens and we don't have to do a thing. We have to cooperate with the grace of God. He's not going to disrespect our free wills. And it's applicable to all, unlike the gifts of charismatic renewal, which were certain gifts for certain people. These things are for all of us and each of us. So none of us can excuse ourselves. You know, well, that's for you and that's for you. And no, it's for us. So I have no excuses. Now, let me look at it, each of them in a little, little more detail. Charismatic repentance. I like the way he puts it. Charismatic repentance. Repentance, that is a gift. We don't even think about that. We oh, Father Mark's talking about repentance and confession again. We were just, just having that conversation. It's a gift. God has given us this gift. It's not just something we do, but it's something that we learn. Remember that the faith is two things, attitude and actions. So we have to think a certain way, and we have to know how to act in accordance with that thinking. And either one of those without the other is only part of the truth. And therefore, when it's presented as the whole truth is not true at all. So what we have to learn is to open ourselves. I mentioned this in the past. Open ourselves to this by engaging in the practice. When we, when we try to do it, we are opening ourselves to it. And to see ourselves truly and honestly. See... <laughs> And then once we've seen that, to admit what we see. We don't want to see ourselves because we'll be horrified by what we see. If you ever notice, you read some of the saints and they, they see themselves and they're, they're in horror. And we're going, why are these people so hard on themselves? Well, <laughs> take a look within, a real look within, and then you'll understand. And we will. There's a consequence to charismatic repentance. Father Zacharias says this, charismatic repentance detaches man from everything that is created and attaches him to everything that is uncreated, that is, that is God's. So charismatic repentance as a gift attaches us to God. It's an admission and lamenting for our sins as they have separated us from God. And I've got it here in my notes as a reminder during Holy Week in the Western Rite, we have in the offices the readings from Lamentations. And Lamentations is an addendum to the book of Jeremiah, which focuses on the fall of the city of Jerusalem in the first temple, the first temple and the fall of the temple. Uh, and, and it laments the fall of the temple. And it's used by the church to, it, to lament the fall of the human soul and the fall of humanity. So when we're going through Holy Week and we're thinking about what Christ is going through, we're looking at our own circumstances. 
And it's a reminder to us as well as of repentance. Toward the, the end of this series, I'm going to look at St. Silouan's, a portion of St. Silouan's work called the, uh, Adam's Lament, in which he presents what Adam might have said to God lamenting about the fall of humanity. It's very, very powerful. Father Zacharias says, in order to, for man to retain the salutary power of contrition or repentance, he must always remember his sins, bearing himself and uh, is that, see my handwriting so bad I can't read my own handwriting. Hum, <laughs> humble himself. Maybe that's why I don't want to see it. <laughs> humble himself and mourn over his mourn over those sins. Thus, thus is the enemy vanquished. Thus is the enemy vanquished. It's a theme that repeats itself a lot in his work. So repentance opens us. That opens us, then not only protects us from the enemy, but opens us to God. He said, repentance is the power which raises man's prayer up to heaven. And the prayer of repentance is the most acceptable to God. The prayer of repentance is the most acceptable to God. This is interesting because in the Eastern Rite, in the offices, in Orthros, or the morning office, Psalm 51 is used to sort of culminate it toward the end of it. And in the Western Rite, uh, in, in the daily offices, the office of lauds for Sundays and ferial days, that is days not assigned to which a saint is not assigned, Psalm 51 is also assigned as the first part of the Psalter portion. So it's like the church is trying to tell us, get this, get it. This is the Psalm of Repentance. And, and learning repentance leads to deeper repentance. You know, I, I, when we were sitting in the church, I was thinking somebody comes in <clears throat> and hears this and sees this who's never been before might think these people beat themselves and they don't know where they are. Well, we're entering into eternity and this is a part of it. So yeah, we get that whole notion that Jesus forgives us, but now we want to really find out what that means and experience it. And this whole process of learning this is charismata. It's a gift from God. He's given us a gift in repentance, not a burden or a yoke to bear that's so unbearable that we can't handle it. It's a yoke that we can handle. It's a gift. Now let's talk about charismatic despair. Oh, in the Christian life, as all of you know, there's often a sense of God's absence. I like to call it the great silence. <laughs> you know, I call it God. It's like the there's no recipient there. And the other end of that conversation, or it's a one-sided conversation, just me talking. Uh, so... In any case, traditionally, listen, I'm not the, we're not the only ones who experience that, by the way. It's been handed down throughout Christian history. Sometimes it's called abandonment, the dark night of the soul, the cloud of unknowing, or even the orthodox word, the aridities of the spiritual life. <laughs> Doesn't it get dry sometimes? <laughs> Real dry. And you cry out to God, and it's like there's no one there. Where is he? So Father Zacharias and St. Sophroni like to describe it as the withdrawal of God, which he think it really doesn't withdraw, as we'll see in a minute, or the loss of grace, which it isn't that either, but that's the only way they can describe it because that's what we feel. 
and hence it's called despair, but it's called charismatic despair. So the loss of grace has to do really with our sense of God's presence. Our sense of God's presence. Throughout Christian history, both in the Orthodox Church and elsewhere, there have been people who have said, or Christians have found that the Christian life has three stages. Uh, Let me see if I can write this. The initial experience... whatever that is. For me, it was seeking, searching for God and, and somebody gave me the track for four spiritual laws and I read it and I thought, that's it. And so I had a very conscious moment when I asked Jesus to come into my heart. And that was sort of the beginning of a downward slant all the way down. Uh, I'm a hard case and so God has to work extra hard. He gets, he gets an award just for having to put up with me. Uh, so the initial experience... And then the withdrawal of God's presence, or let's let's awareness. How about? And I'm going to put it in. There we go. Sorry, my handwriting is horrible, but that's the way it goes. So, and lastly, a renewal of the awareness. This one, initial experience, which is awareness. Somebody from the Roman Catholic Church has said, I like to call it, and I think this works, the initial experience is called consolation. This level is called desolation. (laughs) You felt desolate. And then lastly, consolation. But if we learn despair, then this, which is really our awareness of God's presence, and so the problem lies within ourselves, to deal with it really is a gift. There's a story from a Protestant minister who had a woman come into his office, and she apparently was in this second stage, and she said, I can't find God. Haven't you felt that? And so he said, sit down and let me talk to you. And and this good theology in his part, he said, his response to her is, where can he go? (laughs) Now, now if God is not circumscribed, that is, he has no limits, then there is nowhere where he is not. So where can he go? So once we've realized that, what's the conclusion? The problem is not out there, it's right here. That's the only other conclusion we can reach. So putting us through this turns out to be a gift. Charismata. We despair because we're so, we want, we want to be excited about all of this. You know, in, in many churches in the United States, in American Christian history, non-Orthodox Christian history, it's real popular to have revivals. And all it is is an attempt to go from here back to here. We need to plow, we need to get comfortable in this. This is the area of gift where we're being blessed immensely. Charismatic, despair. I'll I'll tell you a story. I've told you this story before, but there's an addendum to it. So I want to tell you the the story and the addendum. 
I had a deacon in Wichita Falls, St. Benedict's, and he and I had been through similar experiences in life. We'd even been involved in charismatic renewal, more or less together. So we had similar lives. We'd been young, foolish young men who'd made stupid decisions, and we were paying for them for the rest of our lives. So we really understood each other really well. And then we'd come into the Christian life, and, and those things didn't go away. <laughs> We had to grow up and learn how to deal with them by God's grace. So here we were. We've both been through that stage of despair and even we're in it. I used to call this the road of darkness deep because <laughs> that's the way it was to me. And he understood that all too well. And he was there with me sitting next to me when we heard Father Zacharias give this series of lectures which led to this book. And he called it charismatic despair. And the first time we heard the term, we the, it hit the two of us simultaneously. And we turned and looked at each other, and both of us got teary-eyed because we thought all that we had suffered with, God had just give, told us it's a gift. Well, the addendum to the story is, I just talked to him a couple of days ago. And I was mentioning this class, and I mentioned the book and being there. And I said, do you remember that moment? And he said, oh, yes. He had not forgotten, and he said, charismatic despair. I didn't even have to use the words. He knew what I was talking about because it transformed him just like it had me. So in any case, in the middle of my chest, but I feel like the burning that I know is God, like, the love that I feel, it's like it's not there, and, and when it's not there, it, I don't like it that it's not, I want to I want it to be easy, and I want to feel, you know, we be in love, and, and repentant, and, you know, and then I guess when it's not there, you have to dig deeper to get to it, and so, and maybe that's God's, like, it's kind of, it's kind of like, you know, when you're learning to swim, you know, you start off in the shallow end, and then yeah, pushes you out a little bit further. And then he just drops you in the deep end. Right? <laughs> it throws you off the diving board. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're gonna come get you if you can't get to the side. But it's, it's almost like it makes you like dig, look. You're having to look for it. You have to find something. And it's like I don't know where it went. Where to go? You, know, you have to kind of. I don't know. I mean, am I missing it? Is that kind of? It doesn't. It doesn't feel the same to me. I guess is what you're describing. But I think maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Well, it. It is okay to, it is okay to seek all the way. I mean, we're looking at, we're looking at awareness of God's presence. We want to understand, if we understand this gift that God is always working in us in the middle of this. So even though we don't see it or understand it necessarily, it's still happening. That's the, that's what we need to look for. So what you're describing is what is what he's saying. Withdrawal of the awareness, not the reality, our aware God is. That's the absence of that feeling that you're describing. So you're seeing that absolutely correctly. And our and with the charismatic the charismatic nature of, of it, when when we come to this, it's not that we're without feelings, but they become transformed. You know, Gnosticism, that, Gnosticism would argue that all the inclinations of the flesh of the body are bad, and we're supposed to rid ourselves of them. Some religions of the world say the same thing. 
But in, in Orthodox Christianity, the passions are transformed. They have to be transformed by the grace of God. And God is his grace. It's not something, it's not something that's out there that he gives us. He is his grace. So these charismatic gifts are his presence. So he transforms them so that we begin to understand. So the feelings we have, the feelings that we have that are lost are the negative sides, those things without God's presence. And when we have them, see, there are the now that I have for God that I never experienced before in the charismatic renewal when I misunderstood everything. And I don't want to lose that, but it's very objective. It's not subjective as much. I mean, it's not passionate. It's not, it's not feelings. It's true feelings. You know, it's, it's sort of like marriage, you know. It's true, true love. Love in the truest sense. And I'm you not trying to... You, you do have to work at it. And, and we have to work from this and make sure we don't lose that and fall into some kind of operation in which we're not functioning. Yes, sir. Before, sorry, Randy, before you go, um, feelings, like everything else about the human person and our, and our becoming and our being saved and being healed, feelings must mature by Christ leading us. Feelings started, even, even the good ones, initially, must mature as the faith deepens by what God brings us through to bring us there. So think of it that way. It's not dismissing the early ones. So some of them, yes. But it's also seeing the just the constant shaping maturity as we see him more clearly. I guess one way to put it, the idea just came to my mind, is if we went to confession, and I've, I've mentioned some of this in the past. Uh, for some of us, we go the first time we ever go. It's the most moving experience we've ever had. So then we judge every confession by that. And in our sin, we want them all to be that way. And what I found is sometimes there's nothing. So I just go because it's my duty. Uh, and sometimes out of nowhere, something really happens. It touches me to the depths of my being. <laughs> I still remember my father confessors just blurting out after a long, long, many, many times of nothing. He just blurting out, your problem is, and he went into it. And I thought, oh, my, struck me to the core of my being. That was awesome. That really was awesome. So it's that kind of transformation that occurs. And God is always there. I just don't necessarily, I'm not aware of it, but I, I don't judge whether he's there on the basis of whether I feel his presence or I'm aware of it. I know he is. And I know that I have to respond a certain way um, constantly, regardless of what I'm feeling. Because I want the real feelings. I want the real awareness of things. And I have a sense of despair when I don't get my way. Uh, and that's a negative thing. And God wants to rid me of that so I can, no matter whatever happens, I am faithful anywhere. It's a nor this is a normal experience for the Christian, serious Christians. And it's to aid us, according to St. Father Zacharias, in putting off the old ways. In the sermon I mentioned a few weeks ago, put off the old and put on the new. He said, charismatic despair helps us to divest ourselves of our beings, of everything that is created, because we have to divest ourselves before we can invest ourselves with the new Adam, the heavenly man. And who is the second Adam but Christ? 
And so we're each going to go through some form of this, some form of it. Can't fit ourselves into except just a general mode. We're all going to go through it in some way. And Father Zacharias says, the more intensely one experiences the delight of union with God, the more deeply he suffers the separation from him. So sometimes it can be heavier for some of us than others. But what we learn is this is normal for the journey. God has not abandoned us. I want you to remember those lines. Where can he go? Pain, this kind of pain can be good. It was Ignatius of Loyola who said, consolation, desolation, consolation. And he said, if we follow Christ correctly, the desolation becomes a consolation. And boy, there's real emotional feeling in that when we see these things that have torn us up in the past and nearly ruined us are suddenly giving us life because God is there. And it removes the obstacles in us which open us to him. Removes the obstacles to that openness. So, I don't want to cheapen it, but just remember that despair can be a good thing if we allow it to lead us in the right direction, if we allow God to use it. Now, the third one, charismatic humility. <laughs> Worst of all. It is a descent from self-exaltation to acceptance of who we are as a starting point in imitation of Christ. I have to, I have to read you something from Father Zacharias. I have no, because he words it so well that I cannot even begin to get close to being like this. So I hate to read it to you, but just try to listen as best you can. The empirical cosmic being is like a pyramid, and you get the idea. At the, at the top sit the powerful of the earth who exercise dominion over the nations, and at the bottom stand the masses. I watch the political ads on TV and I see people jockeying for the top. That's what I see. But the spirit of man, so what did the Lord do? He took this pyramid and he inverted it, putting himself at the bottom, becoming its head. He took upon himself the weight of sin, the weight of the infirmity of the whole world. And so from that moment on, who can enter into judgment with him? His justice is above the human mind. So he revealed his way to us, and in so doing, showed us that no one can be justified but by this way. And so all those who are his must go downwards to be united with him, the head of the inverted pyramid, because it is there that the fragrance of the Holy Spirit is found in humility. There is the power of divine life. Christ alone holds the pyramid, but his fellows, his apostles and his saints, come and share this weight with him. However, even if there were no one else, he could hold the pyramid by himself because he is infinitely strong, but he likes to share everything with his fellows, with you and me. Mindful of this, then it is essential for man to find the way of going down, the way of humility, which is the way of the Lord, and to become a fellow of Christ who is the author of this path. Then he adds, such was the importance to the Lord of this going down that when the sons of Zebedee asked for thrones, he said that this was madness, that is to say, to ask to go up is madness. That's the way of Lucifer, who wanted to set his throne above the throne of God. The true way of a master is to become a servant, to go down, to become the last. 
And he adds, the enemy always wants to go up. When we try to go down, he leaves us alone. He can't go down. So it behooves us to learn this, if for no other reason than to protect ourselves. <laughs> because we can be victims so easily. So, and, and he says this, this other statement that I think is useful here. We must remember that God did not save us by his omnipotence, but by his weakness. For the weakness of God is stronger than humans. Wow, he saved us by his weakness. And even on the cross and all his weakness, he is stronger than we will ever be. So we can go there where he is. And we can go down. And that's a gift from God. And it won't hurt us. <laughs> you know, I, know. I don't want to go there. It won't hurt us. In summary, God's gifts, the charismata, are more profound, are profound, more profound than ordinary gifts. They're the imparting of divine life. They always lead us to a deeper relationship with him, both in attitude and practice. They will demand it. And these three gifts are necessary for beginning the journey into what Father Zacharias has described at the beginning here. When I read you from St. Silouan, hear this now and think of it in the same terms. St. Silouan's whole being, soul, mind, and body became a scented vessel full of the grace of the Holy Spirit. His heart was like a beautiful garden full of flowers in the depths of which the Lord was well pleased to have a luminous and beloved dwelling. That's what this journey is all about. We are working to become that. And God gives us gifts. And then Godfather Zacharias points them out. And so did St. Sophroni, three in particular, that God uses to transform us. And we're afraid of them, but we don't have to be. Okay, the next time I'm going to talk about, you're going to love this one, shame in confession. Shame in, the con in confession. Ugh. That'll set your feet to dancing. That's right. <laughs> we have a few moments. Y'all mind if I share a testimony from, from my life and how I was helped through this? In my teenage years, along with a number of folks, but I was really, I had some profound experiences with Christ very early in my life. And, and, and it, it just solidified a foundation for me very early and provided a lot of healing for me. And before many of you know, you know, before I, I even thought about uh, pastoring, I was a, a musician who my heart was worshiped. Worship was at the core of who I am, and it was expressed then through music, and so I was a worship. When I was in my, about 23, I went from initial experience of those profound experiences to all of a sudden, a very scary nothingness. Where I did not, you know, you mentioned that sense of the presence of Christ, it was nowhere to be found. <laughs> scared me, really scared me. And I was still leading a whole church in worship, experiencing nothing. We were in between pastors at the time, 
a pastor got called to come to the church who would actually help me discover later on my pastoral calling, but he recognized what was going on in me. And he described this to me in different words. He said, you're here. You don't feel God like you used to feel God's <laughs> presence with you. Here's what he told me. I only want you to do one thing. When you put your head on the pillow at night, all I want you to do is say, God, I don't feel you, but I know you're here. Good night. So I did that. And I did that. And I did that. I didn't <laughs> stop doing that. Now, I'll tell you, just because it was a wonderful thing that God did for me, this was two years I would go through this. And after that two years, that pastor had planned a trip to Israel. And I wasn't going because we couldn't afford it at the time. And after a Wednesday evening service, my grandmother comes to me and says, you're supposed to go to Israel, I'm paying for it. I said, Grandma, I don't have my passport ready, and it's due in a week. I said, you're going. She said, you're going. So we went that night to then Kinko's copies and took a picture. <laughs> and the next day, she went with me down to the passport office in New Orleans. I want you to get this. In three days, I got my passport. Three days. And it was on that trip, consolation would come. But here's what I tell you. The key to this, when, when, not if, anyone, like, like Father said, anyone journeying in a relationship with Christ is going to hit this. Maybe again and again in different ways. Mm -hmm. My two years was the worst to this point. I pray I really don't have another one except I know the value of it now. Mm -hmm. But the key to living with a lack of the awareness of the presence of God is something actually very simple. Persevere. Stay the course. Don't change. Don't abandon. He's not abandoned us. Stay the course. Pray on your pillow at night, even if that's all you do. Because let me tell you what he was doing that I could not conceive of or perceive during that time. At the end of the two years, I looked back, and he did something that never could have happened in my faith but by this. My faith was no longer based on what I felt. Mm -hmm. My faith was based on a God I knew was with me. Now, I've had little portions of this, <laughs> diminishing awareness of the presence of God, but it doesn't rock me anymore like those two years did. Because I know if I'll just be faithful, faithful is a big word to God, and persevere, hang in there with him, the extent to which he will work and honor our faithfulness. That is our cooperation during the withdrawal of the awareness. If we will persevere, he writes a deeper faith than we could ever wonder, and we will know him like we never could. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That's absolutely right. Yes, sir. Father, it seems to me that you cannot have a withdrawal of the awareness of the presence of God unless you first have that experience. And when you have that experience, it is profound. But just like all human beings, we wax and we wane. So when we're waning, we have to, like Father says, persevere. That's, so so it's a blessing because you can experience the loss yeah. because you've had the experience. The well, to begin with. 
blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, mm -hmm. you know, and that's somewhat that what that is, or mm -hmm. something yeah. stirred up and you want it deep. Well, I want to go deeper, but I didn't know it was going to be like this. <laughs> <laughs> if I had known, I might have run. Uh, <laughs> is this like Job? Maybe? Yeah, yeah, in a way. Sort of like that. Yeah, Job had, he had his experiences of God, mm -hmm. sort of, and then he then everything was taken away and he was plunged into despair. That's why I say some of us, and then when he came out of it, it, it was only after he challenged God. I love, you know, I have an image of Job holding up a clenched fist. Come down here and answer me right now. You know, <laughs> uh, tell me why this is happening. And, and, and God finally does come down. Where, where were you when I created the earth? And the Job says, I've spoken of things I didn't understand. I've seen something I've never seen. Uh, so he did have another consolation. Yeah. My ears had heard of you, but now I know you. Yeah. Gary, I think I think it is because in Job, what you have is the the withdrawal of the hand of protection for a bit, mm -hmm. and the allowance of things to take place that cause suffering to Job. That can I, I could see that pattern. Some scholars think that Job is the oldest book of the Old Testament, which means it would be the ground and basis. So. Yes, sir. There's a word that comes to my mind in you know, all of these charismata, but particularly despair, and I think Father Mark's testimony points this out. We go from one of the things that we that's accomplished in the despair in particular, we go from trusting in our own experience to trusting in God. Mm -hmm. And the focus of our trust becomes, turns away from ourselves. And Placing that trust in God, I think that's part of, part of the lesson we need to learn, and part of what will bring us to the renewed consolation. Is when our it, when, when we stop trusting in what we're feeling or what we're experiencing or what's going on around us, and we put our trust elsewhere, and the proper elsewhere is gone. Yeah. Yep. It's absolutely true. God has his work cut out for him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. See, this is why you know, Galatians, one of the one of the words patience, but in the scriptures often you have this, this virtue of you know long suffering. Not, you know, we think, oh I got to be patient, right? But it's, it's actually tied into this idea of, of enduring a period of suffering. And that's a gift. Mm -hmm. Not just, oh man, my Life really sucks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it sucks. Maybe it does suck, but yeah, you know, it may seem like it. But to, uh, you know, when you talked about like like facing Christ versus turning away, like are you are you, do we walk looking to Christ through this or do we turn away because like, oh, well, we keep our Ignatius of Loyola, for someone outside the Orthodox Church, he had some great insights and in his spiritual exercises, he said, I think I've mentioned this in the past. When in the middle of desolation, you do three things, including one of the ones you mentioned. One is don't change anything. So don't change directions. Keep moving in the same direction. I think he's absolutely right. Number two, increase your prayers, tweak them. Not increase them a whole lot, but just tweak them. So we, every year we have Lent. And the idea, really, the idea behind Lent is for us to take a small discipline and do it so well that it becomes a part of our beings we continue it on afterwards, and next year we take a little bit more, just a skosh, 
So that's the second thing. And the third one is, do these two things persevere in patience? We stay with it, we'll see the end of it. I remember when I was in Wichita Falls, I, Wichita Falls is a bad market I've mentioned this year for building churches. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't be online saying that, but I said it. <laughs> you heard it. Uh, so anyway. I, we didn't have any visitors for three years. Now, we did everything we could to alleviate that. But, you know, you can't make people come to church. Uh, and I was in absolute despair. And I, I really took it to the altar of God and, and asked for some guidance. And somewhere along the line, I, I, perseverant patience was part of what the word was given to me. So I continued to do what I was doing, and my deacon continued to do what he was doing. We continued to plow through. And then I had uh, had a dream that people that had left the parish were coming back, and that we had so many people coming into the church that I couldn't get my vestments on. It was like, I have a nightmare as a priest. And it's like, you're all out there, you were all out there waiting, and I can't get my vestments on right now. <laughs> Or I've forgotten to mark the altar book and I can't find my place, you know, and just, you can be two pages off in that altar missile and you can't find it to save your life. So you better have it right to begin with. So he's laughing. He probably knows what I mean. Oh, I've been there. You live in fear of that. You know, people out there going, what's wrong with this idiot? You know. So in any case, after I had the dream, it was sort of like a consolation. Then actually some people did. We started having visitors and, and people started people who had left actually came back. Um, and so my point is that we, we, we come to that secondary consolation by persevering and staying with it. That's one of the keys. You need to stay with it. He, unless we're really out of the will of God, and we'll know that. You know, that's one of the reasons why doing repentance and confession, going to a father confessor, the same one all the time, because he knows our sin patterns and he can guide us. Uh, so that's why we want to stay under authority of the authority channel so that we can be guided properly and avoid those kinds of things where we're off. You know, this is all happening because I'm out of the will of God. You know, I, I can't whine about the, the grace of God if I, if I do something that's a violation of the commandments, a flagrant violation of the commandments. I just can't. Yes, sir. Something both of you said reminded me of a story a hundred years ago. I don't know. It was probably a class like this or something like that. Um, about the priest that he was going through this. He was a priest every night. He wouldn't even see his evening prayers. He just kind of walked by and was going to bed sort of like wave the icons. You know? <laughs> and then eventually he just got he got so frustrated. One night he just stopped in front of his, his icon card and said, God, I'm frustrated because I don't, I don't know where you are. I'm supposed to be a priest. I don't feel anything. And he just couldn't say anything else and just kind of stormed off the bed. They said doing that fulfilled his prayer rule for the evening. <laughs> Father Zacharias tells a story that he got from St. Sophronia about a, a, a man, I think it was a monk, who couldn't do his prayer rule. He got One night he was so tired, he had a long day and he'd, he'd done his offices and everything. And he, he was so tired he couldn't, his, he was in the habit of, of, of saying certain prayers to each of his icons before he went to bed. Uh, and he was so tired he couldn't do it, so all he did was, he was honest. He just said, 
I can't do this tonight. Good night, guys. <laughs> and, and he did it several times. I'm paraphrasing it, so. <laughs> anyway, he did this to several of the icons, and he wound up feeling like he had to do it with all the icons. So he wound up fulfilling his prayer rule by going around to each of the icons, which he'd already always done, just because of that admission. I can't do this. But he did do it. Just change the words. So in any case, it's serious stuff, but this Christian life is serious business, but it's joyous. Uh, nothing like it in all the world. Why? Because we were made this way. And this is part of the, the hypostasis, finding our hypostatic principle. Anyway, shame and confession next time. Thank you.